0: So while you are wondering what's going on, go ahead and take your Bibles, and let's open up to Romans chapter 8, and let's take a look at some verses together. We're going to be looking at the first 17 verses of chapter 8, so I want to invite you to, again, open your Bibles and follow along with me as I read chapter 8. All righty. Beginning with verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was power, powerless to do, and that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, uh, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, Your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it's not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live, because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Here ends the reading of our text this morning. Well, here in chapter 8, we have a lot of meat, you could say, okay? And uh, sometimes after reading through these things, we're kind of left scratching our head like, okay, I get some of it, but some of it kind of leaves us wondering. Um, Well, this morning, I believe the key to appreciating what is being said to us here in chapter 8 is understanding what Paul has written for us in chapter 7. So again, I think the key to really appreciating and understanding chapter 8 is remembering what Paul stated for us in chapter 7. So what did Paul state for us in chapter 7? Well, here's what he said. He says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Well, this battle that Paul is describing is no stranger to us. We have been there more times than we care to admit. And it is this very battle, the battle with our sinful nature, this very battle, it leaves us frustrated and defeated at times, and it leaves us asking this question. You know, is there any victory? Can I beat this thing? Or am I doomed? Well, just when we think we've lost the battle, we come to verse 1 of chapter 8. And here's what it says. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Even when we fail, when we do the evil that we do not want to do, God does not condemn us. Those words there in verse 1 do bring us relief. I am not doomed. I am not stuck on this crazy train of of sin. No, there's relief. There's victory. And it comes to us through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where the victory takes place. Well, this morning, let's work through chapter 8. And uh, there's a lot of stuff that could be said. Uh, we begin here with verses uh, uh, 1 through 3. And uh, here we have, if, you're follow, if you want to follow along, there is an outline in your, in your bulletin. Uh, we begin with uh, personal relief. The truth of the matter, that which brings us relief, is that there is no condemnation to us. All right? So if you look at verses 2 and 3 with me there in chapter 8, uh, the point is this. The law can't save you. All right? The law can't save you. Verse 3 says, For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending His own Son. Now the law, if we're going to try and get to heaven by following a list of do's and don'ts, we refer to that as works, trying to work our way to, to heaven. If that's what we're going to try and do, You need to understand something about this law, these rules. Uh, They are a horrible savior, okay? The law cuts no slack. The law does not demonstrate love. The law extends no mercy to you or grace. All All the law can do, that list of do's and don'ts, all it can do is point out where you went wrong. That's what the law does. The law brings up a finger and points it at you and say, ha, 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 you messed up. You did this. It was wrong. Therefore, you are condemned. Okay, that's what the law does. The do's and don'ts that we try to live by. And so in the end, we end up hurting ourselves by following it. And the Bible says we end up dying. So the law can't save you. Looking at verses 3 and 4, what we do find out is that Jesus saves. Okay, The list of do's and don'ts, the rights and wrongs that we try to perform to make us acceptable in God's eyes, they fall short. But the good news is, with Jesus Christ, we do not. God does save us, and he sent his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be our offering, our sin offering. Now, the law, back to the law again. There's a couple of things I want to say about the law. Number one, the law demands perfection. Meaning, if we want to earn our way to heaven, if we want to keep Jesus out of the picture and we want to go by this list of do's and don'ts, we got to do them perfectly, okay? We can't miss up. We can't slip up. That's just the nature of law. Once you break law... You're doomed, okay? So so sin demands perfection. And we can't be perfect. We can't fulfill the law. But there is someone who is perfect, who does fulfill the demand of the law. And, of course, that is Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews says this, Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, okay? Jesus is sinless. And because he is sinless, only he could fulfill the law which demanded perfection. So the law demands perfection. And then the second thing that the law demands, uh, the law demands payment. All right. Remember, you've got to be perfect if you're going to go by law. If you mess up just a little bit, remember, you're doomed. And, and the, the next demand that law makes on our life is death. Okay, that's what it says. You mess up, you, you, do, you, you follow up, you need to die for that. That's just the law. Remember, the law is a poor savior. It gives no grace. It does not love us at all. It cuts us no slack. The law says, hey, if you want to do it, you got to do it right all the time. And if you don't do it, you will die. So to satisfy that demand of death, remember, Romans tells us, for the wages of sin is death. There's the demand. The only one that could satisfy that demand, uh, well, we could have satisfied it, sure. But Jesus Christ steps in and says, hey, I will take that debt. I will take the demand that the law has, and I will die in the place of mankind. He dies in our place. So only Jesus was perfect, and only Jesus was able to satisfy the demand of the law. So, the law doesn't save us, but Jesus does. Pressing on here in chapter 8, we come to verses 5 through 8. And here we have a contrast taking place. Uh, Your outline says this is the signs of imprisonment. Uh, What we have here, whereas the believer is not condemned, we found that out in verse 1, the believer is not condemned because of his relationship or her relationship with Jesus, What we see here in verses 5 through 8 is that the unbeliever, the one who does not know Christ as Lord and Savior, they are condemned. It's not a good story. The ending of the story is not very good for those who have kept Christ out of their life. And the reason that there is condemnation for this individual, again, the person who rejects Christ, uh, there's four things that are listed in these verses. So we're looking at verses 5 through 8, and here's what we find out. Uh, in verse 5, uh, those who don't know Christ, they live in the flesh. Okay? Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. And so first of all, those uh, who are condemned because they, they live according to their sinful nature. Um, and here's what Paul says about that sinful nature. We're in the book of Galatians. It says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions. Okay, this this is what comes out of that flesh. And an unbeliever, that's, that's their realm of operation. It's in the flesh, and therefore all kinds of crud, all kinds of uh, things come out. Uh, so not only that, do they live by the flesh, but he also says here in verse 6 that the unsaved are spiritually dead. Okay, They don't have that spiritual life. In the book of Ephesians, we are told this in chapter 2, As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. So there's so this individual who has rejected Christ is experiencing condemnation because, number one, they're operating according to their fleshly nature and all kinds of stuff comes out. Uh, They have no spiritual conscience. I mean, they are dead to Christ. And number three here, uh, verse 7 says they're also hostile to God. Verse 7 says the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So instead of pursuing obedience... Um, disobedience becomes very natural for them. And then number four in verse eight, uh, this individual who doesn't know Christ, they're into pleasing oneself. Pleasing oneself. Uh, verse eight, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Okay? So when the sinful nature is very active and working, uh, the primary goal of the sinful nature is Is a glorification of self. Okay? The sinful nature says, go for that which makes you feel good. Okay? The sinful nature says, go for that that would that will elevate you and make you look better in the eyes of man or whatever it may be. That is the sinful nature. And that sinful nature will do anything to accomplish that objective. So the sinful nature is into pleasing oneself. And so here in verses 5 through 8, we have a description. Uh, Maybe you call it a biography of that individual that has rejected Christ. They operate according to their fleshly nature. They let that fleshly nature dictate their actions. Second of all, they're spiritually dead. They're hostile to God. They don't practice obedience. And lastly, they're into self, uh, the fulfillment and the gratification of self. Uh, They're not into glorifying God by any means. So that's what we see here happening in verses five through eight. Now pressing on, we come to uh, verses nine, 10 11 and 12, and here we have some true freedom, true freedom. You know, remember, there's no condemnation for the believer in Christ. Um, and the, verse nine and 10 11 explain why there is no condemnation. First of all, you are controlled. Or excuse me, the Spirit lives in you. The Spirit lives in you. That's in verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit if the Spirit of God lives in you. So, your salvation package includes the Holy Spirit. As we were talking with the kids up here just a few moments ago, we talked about how it's wonderful when it comes to salvation. Part of that package is, you know, forgiveness of sin. And we experience the love of God. We, part of that uh, salvation package is you know, spending eternity with Jesus Christ. But in addition to all those wonderful things, God also places His Holy Spirit within us. That's part of that package when it comes to salvation. Second uh, Peter uh, says this to us, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So what Peter is telling us, God set you up for success. God set you up for success. God has given you the Holy Spirit. Okay? Second of all here, verse 10, we find out not only do we have the Spirit, but the Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. Through the Holy Spirit, you receive a spiritual life. Remember, we talked about the one that does not know Christ. He is dead to Christ. He is dead to the things of God. But you, if you have Christ living in you, you are alive. The spirit gives you life, gives you a new, a new nature. In fact, that's spoken of in 1 or excuse me, second Corinthians 5:17. "You are a new creation," it says. That is because of the Spirit living in you. And uh, number three here, also we see in verse 11, the spirit empowers you." Paul says in Galatians, "Live by the Spirit." and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. So here Paul is explaining, you know, we are not condemned because God does forgive us, but we belong to God. That's why we're not condemned. He's our Father, and we'll talk about that. But He's our Father, and He has given us His Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit lives within us, and that Spirit empowers us to live for Him. Uh, something I wanted to I want to I want to do a quick rabbit trail here with you. As I was thinking about the Spirit, I know a lot of times I refer to the Spirit as that power force within us, and that is true. We do have the Holy Spirit living within us, and it is the Holy Spirit that empowers us to walk in obedience to Jesus Christ. So there is a power force. But what what I want to clarify a little bit here is sometimes I I, I don't focus on the uh, the uh, the the person of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm wanting to just share with you is that the Holy Spirit is more than just some kind of a power force. You know, where this is not Star Wars where we have the Force, okay? Uh, rather, we have God in us. Okay, the Holy Spirit is God, and He's living within us. The Holy Spirit is a person. Okay, it's not a that not a power supernatural power force that god gives to us but we have the person of the holy spirit living within us and as a person the holy spirit does have intellect okay because he searches all things uh he has knowledge the holy spirit also has emotion um because we can grieve the holy spirit when we sin remember we can also resist the holy spirit so we see that he is a person he has emotion the holy spirit teaches us um have a, the Holy Spirit guides us in all truth. And so I'm sharing all these things just to, again, reinforce this idea that the Holy Spirit is a person, not just a power force, but a person. Okay? He's part of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as part of the Trinity, He is God, okay? and He is a person. And the wonderful thing is, this person, the Holy Spirit, takes up residency in each of our lives when we place our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's part of the salvation package. And, that's, and that Holy Spirit empowers, enables us to live for Him. So as we continue back here again on chapter 8, we move on. We come to, uh, towards the end of our, our study here, looking at verses uh, 13 and to the verse 17 through there. Uh, here we have some personal responsibility talk spoken about regarding us. Uh, So let's talk about our personal responsibility. Remember, we're not condemned because we belong to Christ. And part of that salvation package is, is we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and the Holy Spirit empowers us, gives us that ability to walk in obedience, to make changes in our life, which is a wonderful thing. And so here is some of the responsibility that we are to do now that we belong to God belong to Jesus Christ, and have the Spirit living in us. So, we're looking looking at verse 13. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. So, one of the responsibilities we have as followers of Jesus Christ is we need to put to death the misdeeds of our body. Okay? Um, It is our responsibility as God's children to use the tools that He has given us. And of course, one of the primary tools we were talking about this morning is the Holy Spirit that lives in us. We need to tap into the, what He offers us. Uh, look with me at verse 13 again. And I want to bring something to your attention. It says, uh, but if by the Spirit, it says, you put to death the misdeeds of the body, I want you to focus on that phrase, put to death. Uh, this phrase is um, this is a little Greek I'm going to throw your way, but it will help us understand. The phrase is in what they call the present tense in the Greek language. Now, what does that mean? Well, what it means, the present tense is talking about an ongoing action, okay, an ongoing action. So our responsibility as followers of Jesus Christ is that we are to put to death the misdeeds of the body. Put to death. It's in the present tense. It's an ongoing action. So you are to exercise this discipline daily. Okay? You daily are to put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. So that's what I wanted to point out to you. Uh, it's a daily activity that we are to engage in. Pressing on from verse 13, we come to verse 14. It says this in verse 14, Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Are sons of God. Uh, in addition to dealing with those misdeeds, okay, that's one of our responsibilities, we need to deal with our misdeeds, uh, verse 14 exhorts us to be led by the Spirit. Now, verse 14 is telling us to make a volitional decision based on the truth of God's Word. And here's the truth. You have the Holy Spirit living within you. And since this is true, choose to let the Holy Spirit be your boss. That's what we're supposed to do. We say no to the misdeeds, but then we are to be led by the Holy Spirit, which means we are to daily choose to let the Holy Spirit be our boss. In fact, just like in verse 13, we talked about a present tense. Um, we also hear in verse 14, we are to be led by the Spirit. Led by the Spirit, that phrase is also in the present tense. Again, an ongoing action. Okay? So there's kind of like a positive and a negative here. The negative is, okay, we say no to the misdeeds. Okay. I'm not even going to engage in what the flesh is asking me to do. I'm not going to engage in lying. I'm not going to engage in revenge. I'm not going to engage in anger. Okay? And then we do the positive, which is be, to be led by the Spirit. And again, a daily activity. So in the power of the Holy Spirit, we tell the truth. With the power of the Holy Spirit going in, working in our lives, we curb our anger. We respond you know, with grace. And it's all able to be done because we have that Holy Spirit living within us. That's what verses 13 and 14 are telling us. So, these are daily disciplines. It's an ongoing action, saying no to the flesh and saying yes to the Holy Spirit. We work on that daily. Pressing on to verses 15 and 16, some great things are taking place here in these verses. Uh, First of all, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to the fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Some good stuff here, sonship. Yeah. In place of sonship, uh, some translations have the word adoption. Okay, good stuff here. Uh, because you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you have been adopted. Okay, you carry the name of your Savior. Okay, it's it's on it's on the document. You belong to Jesus Christ, so you've been adopted into His family, and since you've been adopted into Christ's family. The news gets even better. You have the rights and privileges of that adoption. You have the rights and privileges of that do- adoption. Now, if we are children, verse 17, if we are children, then we are also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order, that we may also share in his glory. So now when we typically think about adoption, uh, We think of a young child being brought into the family, right? That's kind of our adoption. Uh, This child, when it's adopted, is 100%, you know, incorporated in that family. They take the name and everything, and they belong to that family. But typically, as that child comes into this family, they are not entitled to the inheritance until later in life, right? I mean, that just goes, they're young, okay? They're just a child. They're very young. So they, they wouldn't be able to handle the inheritance. You just don't turn over the ranch or the farm to them, right? Until they grow and mature. And so that's typically how we see adoption, don't we? Well, what, what's interesting here, uh, when, we are adopted, when we are adopted into God's family, and this is what the wording of verses 15 and 16 are trying to indicate, Uh, when you are adopted into god's family you have immediate access to the rights and privileges of god's family okay as soon as you place your faith and trust in jesus christ as your lord and savior you got the farm you've got the ranch okay you have the business you are now ceo i mean that's what god does he gives it to us immediately In God's family, you don't have to wait until you come of age. The moment God signed your adoption papers, you received all the rights and privileges. Right now, okay? Right now, you have access to God's gifts. Right now, you have access to God's promises. Right now, you have access to God's power, okay? Right now, you have access to the blessings of God. They are all yours. That's how the adoption works in God's family, in his family. So what are our takeaways this morning? We've come to the end, so what are the takeaways from today's message? Let me give you three takeaways. When you blow it, number one, when you blow it, you are not condemned. Your value is not determined by what you do. Your value is determined by your relationship with Jesus Christ. Satan will say, Hey man, you messed up, okay? You fibbed. You stretched the truth. You you weren't, you know, forthright with the truth. That's what Satan will say. Jesus steps in and says, You may be right there, Satan. But they still belong to me. She still belongs to me. He still belongs to me. I'm his father and he or she are my son and daughter. So, you see, our, our, our value, our worth in God's eyes is all based on that relationship. So you're not condemned. Number two, number two. You are equipped to live the Christian life for the Holy Spirit lives in you. That means you can say no to the sinful nature. You can say no to that cookie number six whatever it may be. But there's other things that we deal with, isn't there? But we can say no because we have the Holy Spirit living within us. The person of the Holy Spirit is inside us, and he empowers us to walk in obedience. So you are equipped to live the Christian life. And then number three, number three, God is your Father, and he wants you to utilize all that he has. That's some good stuff, don't you think? God is your father. And remember, it was Abba there in Romans chapter 8. It's a term of endearment. You could say in our vernacular, Daddy. Okay, God is your daddy. And he wants you to utilize all that he has. God says to each one of you this morning, what is mine is yours. What is mine is yours. That's the God we serve. Let's pray. God, thanks again for being so gracious, so loving. Lord, so forgiving. Thank you for calling us your son, your daughter. Lord, thank you for equipping us, placing your Holy Spirit within us so that we can be victorious and live successfully as we fight. The flesh. God, thank you so much. We honor you and we say again thanks. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.